great Odin's raven. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Hello and welcome to uh, the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number eight. My name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And today we're going to be talking about what everyone is talking about this weekend, and that's the Hunger Games. Uh, Also, in honor of the Hunger Games, we have Ryan back with us to watch another movie with copious amounts of child death, and that's the trauma film Beware Children at Play. Uh, Let's first kick things off with some movies that we watched this week. Uh, I think I'll start things off... um, and talk about a movie called Dreams of a Life. Now, did you get a chance to see this one? I did not get a chance to see this one. Oh. Oh. That's um, why I was wondering, maybe you just want to wait until next week? Yeah, I think we'll actually just hold off on that till next week. I have a feeling that, I have a feeling that there's, we could talk a good bit about that one. Yeah, let's, uh, let's hold off on that till next week. So there's a little... Uh, little preview we're going to be talking about a documentary called dreams of a life um i also saw a movie called absentia and this is a very low budget uh, i think it had like a seventy thousand dollar budget uh this is a horror film and it was it was quite good i was surprised even though it did have such a low budget it did have some really cool uh little special effects sort of like paranormal activity it wasn't like a found footage movie like that or anything, but uh, basically it was about um, this woman whose husband goes missing and he's gone for like seven years and then all of a sudden he shows up and there's clearly something wrong with him. And then her and her sister do a little bit of digging and find out that uh, where they live over the course of like the last few decades, people have been disappearing and... It all has to do with this strange tunnel that's in their town. Uh-huh. Uh, it was written and directed by a guy named Mike Flanagan. Uh, it was pretty cool. It wasn't anything special, but I, I did enjoy it. And it was pretty well made for having such a low budget. Hmm. What was the first movie you saw this week? first movie I saw this week was Septian, which I think is how you pronounce it. Yeah, I think so. What's that about? Uh, it's about a uh, a brother that's been missing for like 18 years. Not necessarily missing, but he left his family and now he just shows up out of nowhere back on the, the family farm that his two brothers run. <clears throat> the parents of uh and apparently, uh, in high school, he was like a big uh, sports superstar, and he spends his time uh, hustling people in the area, mm-hmm. whether it's tennis or basketball, any sport really. And he takes all their money, and he looks a lot like, uh, sort of looks like uh, Owen Wilson's character from the Royal Tenenbaums. Mm. Big beard, wears glasses, but he wears a hoodie. Everywhere he goes. It'd be Luke Wilson's character. Yes, Luke Wilson, sorry. I said Owen for some reason. I don't know too much about this movie, but it has a really cool cover. Yes, the cover is awesome. It's uh, one of the characters in the movie actually does those paintings. I don't know if he 
really does them in real life, but they play a part in the movie. You know, the one brother's a artist, the other one's the sports superstar, and then the the oldest brother is like a uh well he's gay, but I guess he's like a cross dresser something. I don't know. Transgender. Something. It was a it was an odd movie. Hmm. You could definitely tell that it was I would say like one of their first movies. It was directed directed by a guy named uh, Michael Tully. Mm-hmm. And it was it was good, but at the same time, it could have been a lot better. Hmm. Uh, I might have to check that one out. Would you recommend yeah. Would you recommend me checking that one out? I think so. I I think he's a person that I I think like later movies that he's going to be doing could be better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Seems like he has room to progress. Okay. It was also has the guy that was in uh, the Catechism. Catechism. Oh, okay. Played the the book, Rock Buddy. Robert yeah, yeah, Long yeah. Street. Yeah, he wrote it, and he's also in it. Oh, okay. So Septian, um, is that available on Netflix? Yes. Yes. Check Play that instantly. out. Play Instant Netflix. I saw uh, two other movies that I just want to briefly go over. Uh, the first one's Immortals. Uh, this came out last year. Just finally got around to watching it. This is directed by Tarsem. He's the same guy that did The Cell. He also did, uh, I think it was called The Fall. And that was kind of one of his lesser known movies. It came out after The Cell. Uh, he's also directing the upcoming Mirror Mirror movie which looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing about this Tarsim guy is that he has such a distinct visual style, and it's really cool, but I find that a lot of his movies are just all style, no substance. I'm... Yeah, and he's one of those guys that I don't understand how he keeps getting huge budgets Yeah, yeah for he... movies. Yeah, he does. I mean, he hasn't directed a lot of stuff. He hasn't made that many movies. Um, but, yeah, he, all his movies are really, like, big budget, you know, visually stunning films. And Immortals is no exception. It, it looks really good. But the problem I had with Immortals was in the trailer you see all these, like, cool things like, uh, you know, gods fighting in heaven and... Uh, God's coming down to earth and it, it basically tells the story of the Titans and all the cool stuff happens in the trailer. Um, uh, Mickey Rourke's in it. He plays the, the bad guy and you know, he does a fine job. I like Mickey Rourke, but the, the story was just kind of dull. I mean, when the gods did come down to earth and fight, it was really cool, but it wasn't enough for for it to make a passable movie, or a movie that I would recommend. Now, yeah. I watched this. I wasn't even going to watch it, but a friend of mine was like, oh, you have to watch it. It's so amazing. And, and I was like, okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. But I was not into it. I thought it was pretty terrible. So, so your friend's a liar is what you're saying. Well, I think it's more so <laughs> that my friend has bad taste in movies. <laughs> Another movie that I saw this week that I did not like was Casa de Mi Padre. Uh, when I first saw this movie and heard about it, 
I was into it. I thought it sounded awesome. It sounded like Black Dynamite, you know, like a a spoof movie of like a type of like a subgenre. I like the idea that Will Ferrell was in a Spanish speaking role where he spoke Spanish the entire film. Yeah. He did a really good job with that. However, the movie itself was not it just wasn't good. I laughed maybe twice. Some of the jokes were just not funny at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's a shame because I really like the concept. It was uh, directed by Matt Piedmont, who he was a writer for SNL. And I think that uh, he did some funnier Die stuff. And it was written by Andrew Steele, who's another writer for SNL. And I think he also did some funnier Die stuff. But... I think that these guys have potential. It's just not very good. I mean, there's nothing else to say. Like, I like to see Gail Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna in comedic roles, but they weren't very funny. Uh, Their characters were kind of serious. The best part of that movie, in my opinion, was Nick Offerman as um, this, uh, like, Border Patrol. um, Not Border Patrol, but I think he was, like, like a DEA agent or something. Yeah, um, he's he's usually the best thing in a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I wish he had a bigger. Nick Offerman's awesome. I wish he had a bigger role in Twenty One Jump Street. I think that he was really funny in that. I'd like yes. to I'd like to see him in more stuff. I mean, because he's a in, in Parks and Rec, he's by far my favorite character on that show, and he's just it, it, he's oh just my. so funny. His delivery. Ron Swanson is a national treasure. (laughs) I agree. I think there should be like a Ron Swanson day. Yeah, I think there should be. And there should be like, you should be, there should be like classes in high school. You know, like Ron Swanson classes. Yeah. I think think that's a good idea. Wholeheartedly agree. But he was, I thought that he was the only really funny part about that movie. And he wasn't in it very long. He didn't have a very big role. Uh, there were some like sight gags, like um, ridiculous cuts that don't make any sense, and like uh, like the film getting messed up, um, sort of like what you would see in in Grindhouse or Black Dynamite. There was a scene where they were riding on horses, and it was like clearly fake horses, and they kept going by like the same tree as they were talking and riding. And some of that stuff was funny, but I feel like if you're going to do that kind of movie, you got to go all out. Like, you got to just go completely nuts with it. Like, you know, um, like Hot Shots or one of those other kind of spoof movies. Yeah. <clears throat> so, sadly, I would say Casa de Mi Padre is a pass. Hmm. Not, not very good. I didn't like it at all. I'm not even. I was going to review it for the site, but it didn't come out in theaters until a week after. It got released um, here, so I'm not even gonna bother. <laughs> it's just not. It's not worth my time, unfortunately. Uh, I think that does it. Did, were, were there any other movies you wanted to talk about? I guess we can talk about the Hunger Games. It's a little small movie that I think we both saw this weekend. Yeah, I think uh, we're gonna. Well, let's let's do uh, Ryan watches a movie, and then we'll get back into our. Uh, We'll have a nice conversation about the Hunger Games. Okay. All right, let's uh, get right into Ryan Watches a Movie. 
This is Ryan Watches a Movie, where we get our friend Ryan to watch a movie and report back to us on if it was good or not. Oh no, Carl. Little <laughs> kids got naked. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Ryan. What, what movie did we have you watch this week? Beware, children, play. In honor of the Hunger Games coming out this weekend, we picked a movie for you that involves killing kids, and that's 1989's trauma film, Beware, Children at Play. Now, uh, there's no Rotten Tomatoes score for this movie. It, there's not a whole lot of um, information we can give you about it other than it's, it's pretty rough. Um, we have a trailer here. I'm not going to play the whole trailer because it's one of those where it's um, mostly like action scenes. So there's not a whole lot to be gained by listening to the trailer. But I'll just play the beginning part and then we'll talk about it. <laughs> the demon has come to enroll your children into the school of evil. Soon you will learn that the only thing worse than having your children disappear is when they come back. <laughs> Now, the only way to discipline your children is with like a 12-gauge shotgun. And I'm going to fade it out there because the rest of the trailer is just uh, the sound of children being murdered. I have to say that um, Herschel oh. Dwellingham did a fantastic job with the music. Yeah, classic 80s. <laughs> Classic Herschel. <laughs> I didn't even know. I didn't even think you were playing a trailer at first. I thought you yeah, were just playing music. <laughs> I think that the trailer, um, I think that it was made like later. Uh. From the, I mean, at least when I see like really bad movie trailers, it always has that kind of like cheesy voiceover. Yeah. I mean, it may, maybe it was made in 1989, the trailer. I don't know. But I think it was made earlier. And um, let, me, let me just go over who's in this and what it is. Uh, it's directed by Mick Cribben, written by Fred Sharkey. Uh, and the IMDb synopsis states, After several children have gone missing, a writer and a cop decide to get to the bottom of the problem once and for all. As they find more and more leads, they discover that their children are being brainwashed into zombified cannibal killers by a disturbed teen. How accurate is that, Ryan? Um, actually, I couldn't tell you. Because I watched this movie three times and I don't f***ing understand it. <laughs> you watched it three times? <laughs> yeah, I watched it once last night and once this morning and once later on this evening. <laughs> you doubled so, up yeah, in one day. Wow. It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't because it was that good. I was just trying to at least understand what was happening, but I could not. Wow. It's so funny because like, normally 
normally when you talk to people, you're like, man, I had to watch Inception like twice and to get to get a, my head wrapped around it, you know, because it was so deep. And then he's like, oh, I had to watch Beware Children at Play three times because I didn't f***ing get anything about this movie. I don't understand. Now, this movie, um, I, I remember seeing this movie back in the day when we were we were pretty young, I would say. We were in, like, high school still, probably, when we had our little trauma kick where we were watching all these trauma movies. And I never heard of this one. Um, until we got one of the DVDs and it had the trauma intelligence test on it. And if you ever had a trauma DVD, they pretty much do the same thing. It's like a movie trivia. And if you get one of the questions right, they play like this sex scene from one of their movies. And then if you get it wrong, they show a kid being killed from this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember a friend of ours uh, Justin, we well, every time we saw it, we were like, oh, we got to find that movie. got to figure out what that movie is. It looks hilarious. And then here we go. Beware children at play. Didn't didn't you at one point, you were at some convention and you went up to the trauma people and weren't you going to buy this movie? But <laughs> yeah, Justin, you decided told, not to. I told Justin yeah. last night, if he were to bed, they wanted $25 for this movie. I wouldn't even pay $25. Like, the budget for this movie probably wasn't even $25. Yeah, we tried to, we tried to get it. They, we, were at a, we were at a horror convention in Orlando, and um, they had a trauma booth there with all like the trauma people, and they were selling all their movies, and they had this one, but they were trying to charge us like 25 bucks for it. We were like, nope, <laughs> not worth it. Although, although Ryan, I do have a nice little clip for you from the trauma intelligence test. So, so they taught me how to have an orgy. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's that like the one fantastic. thing that sticks with me. So they taught me how to have an orgy. <laughs> so why don't, you, why don't you tell us about this movie, Ryan? Um, well, first of all, earlier you were saying there, there's no Rotten Tomatoes score. That's probably because this movie is so awful. They they probably chose not to score it because it's yeah. terrible. Second of all, dealing with the trailer, when you were talking about how they released the trailer later, if this movie, if you watch the trailer and you still want to see this movie, then he's probably consult a psychologist. Well, that, um, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, there was an interview with Lloyd Kaufman, and he was talking about the trailer for this movie. And he, I guess, at uh, Con, they had a screening of Tromeo and Juliet, one of their other movies, and they played the trailer for this movie before that they played the actual movie. And um, people were so appalled by the trailer for Beware Children at Play that, like, half the theater left and didn't even watch the movie. All right. Here's... I have to think about um, that. To have if people walk out to, before the action. Before the movie, yeah. Because if of you're the trailer. Going to see, if you're going to see Troy and Juliet, 
you know what you're getting yourself into. Why the f*** would you be like y'all pulled at the trailer for this movie? Because essentially it's a trauma. It's a bad horror. Yeah. You know that like senseless violence and nudity are gonna happen. But mm-hmm. you're shocked by it when you should. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, especially at a film festival, I mean, you would think that the people that are there would know what a trauma movie is yeah. and know what to expect, yeah. for sure. I yeah. just, I I like the idea of, you know, the filmmakers or in the casting directors and everything trying to find children for this movie and, like, <laughs> explaining to their parents what their children are going to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, your, your kid's going to get... Sh- the kid's going to get shot in the throat with an arrow, and then he's going to get shot in the head. And I mean, like, I, I haven't seen the movie, but in the trailer, they show a whole lot of kids getting murdered. Yeah, and just that have does, parents be like, okay, yeah, sounds good. That does happen, and it happens all within the last five minutes of the movie. There's the whole rest of the movie is some dumbass, like... Way they try to get you to understand what's happening, but don't even try because you can't understand. <laughs> That's one of those awesome movies that uh, just makes no sense at all. Yes. And I really wish we had the budget because there's all kinds of even video editing. Airs the acting is terrible. The story is terrible. It's just all around fucking terrible. Uh, well, you know, like a movie's got to be great if they put on the the DVD cover a warning label that says "Women who are pregnant" or if you have a heart condition, you shouldn't watch this movie. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. Let's talk um, just for a minute about the director, Mick Cribben. Because, uh, now this is a guy who no, I'm sure nobody knows who he is. But if you look at his page on IMDb, he's, like, literally done every job you can ever think of <laughs> when it comes to a movie. I mean, like, camera and electrical, sound, cinematographer, production manager, actor, miscellaneous crew... <laughs> Producer, director, editor, second unit director, or assistant director. He gets thanked in five titles, and he's himself in one movie. Here's my here's my question about that. Were they all trauma movies? Because uh, no, I'm no, some pretty of them are actually sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the us three could work on the set of this movie and do a better job than these people well, see, he is a director, only did one title, and that was Beware Children at Play. He also produced, edited, act. Uh, I think he was probably the, he was, yeah, he was the cinematographer in that movie. So that was kind of like his baby. Uh, didn't work out for him, but he um, did work on the sound uh, with the Spider-Man movie, the 2002 one, the Sam Raimi one, uh, American Gangster. So, I mean, he's got some... He was a camera operator on the first Wall Street movie? 
Yeah. So I mean, he's he's got some. I mean, if this is if here, it's I mean, all true. So you're saying yeah. that this movie was his redhead to death child? Mm, not entirely. Well, no, not really, because I mean, this movie was made in 1989. That, By that point, yeah. he had. He had already done some work by that point, but like all his bigger stuff, like Spider Man, was much later. It looks like he—he's just kind of like the everyman. He—he he looks like he's mainly a camera operator, but he—he he also does some sound stuff. It's a jack of all trades. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> and his forte is killing children <laughs> on camera. <laughs> A jack. Yeah, that's... He's a jack of all sh trades. <laughs> yeah, his uh, he moonlights as a uh, director of uh, children dying movies. <laughs> and the the writer Fred Sharkey, sadly, this was his only writing credit. Mm, no wonder why. You know the you had me watch that clip, Ryan, and uh, I could say, just from watching that two minute clip, yeah, it's definitely. Not great writing in this movie. That's pretty much how the entire movie is. I mean, people get caught with sickles. Like, or at one point, towards the end of the movie, a kid gets stabbed in the throat with the porch. The porch. What? What um, is stabbed with? The porch. <laughs> you get stabbed with a porch. A, a pitchfork. A pitchfork. Oh, pitch and throat. Yeah, they show that in the trailer. And he's like ten. Nice. Uh, we can't really talk about the cast uh, because there's nothing really mm -hmm. to speak of. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, like, there's you know on on IMDb, there's they have usually the headshots of the people, and <laughs> there's not even any pictures of any no. of the cast. And then one of the trivia questions is, did you know that the top billed actor Michael Robinson is actually billed as is or Michael <laughs> Robertson is actually billed as Michael Robinson in the opening <laughs> credits? So they didn't even get his name right. <laughs> they were probably the fake then there. I love I love the fact that they can't even get the name right. Main guy in the movie no, not the right name. That's that's great. Nailed it. Nailed it. Good looking out, Troma. Now, for those of you that don't know what Troma movies are, um Beware Children at Play probably isn't a good one to get started with. I don't think I there is a good one to get started with. No, there? no, there's not. But, I mean, <laughs> some of them are fun to watch. <laughs> some of them are fun to watch, like um, Class of Newcomb High and um, Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Prob probably one and two. When he gets those stabbed. Are, those are fun to watch. When he stabs, they got in the face for the weight. That's like mm. the best thing ever. Yeah, the head crushing scene. Yeah, basically trauma movies are just these um, really, really super low budget, campy B movies that are extremely gory and filled with lots of sex and violence. I mean, they're the type of movies that you, you get one and you get a bunch of your buddies together and drink some beer and laugh at it 
Um, they're not good. No. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I do take that back. I was just telling Ryan earlier that there is one trauma movie that I actually consider a good movie, and it's called Lolly Love. <laughs> and it's with Tim Gunn, who's um, a pretty somewhat well-known director, I would say, and uh, Jenna Fisher from The Office. Mm. Oh, and that's right. I remember that. At the time, I think they were married, and they made this uh, mockumentary about uh, people that give um, lollipops to like homeless people or something. And it was kind of like an interesting little mockumentary type thing. It was actually directed by Jenna Fisher. I thought Tim Tim Gunn did it. Not not Tim Gunn. James Gunn. Tim Gunn's the. Uh, yeah, it was when he first. <laughs> that's said the that. uh, the fashion guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, when he first said that, I was so. like, wow, the fashion guy did a trauma movie? Yeah, uh, James Gunn, I'm sorry. He did uh, Slither, and, which was yeah, really... Yeah, Super. Yeah, and he did Super. I didn't like Super, but uh, I did like Slither a lot. I thought that was pretty awesome. Unfortunately, he also did Scooby-Doo. Oh, uh, that's probably good, man. You should probably give him that watch one night. Yeah, I mean, he, he um, I think he had something to do with Tromeo and Juliet, too. I think he wrote Tromeo and Juliet or something. So he was kind of in that whole trauma, you know, crew and got his start before becoming semi-famous. So, but Lolly Love, I think it's like rated PG. It's it's definitely a departure from normal trauma movies. <laughs> definitely want to check out. Ryan, what uh, are, you ready, are you ready to give Beware Children at Play? A score, or do you care to try to fill us in on a little bit more about there, what I, happened in it? Because I would like, I would like to ask, what was your favorite scene in Beware Children? Uh, of uh probably there's one sex scene. <laughs> and of course, it's yeah, your awesome favorite. Because it's all right. The movie starts out with this kid, and he's out in the middle of the woods with his dad. And his dad gets caught in a bear trap and Naturally. dies. Oh. So after he dies, the kid grows up in the woods and he's like the <laughs> the main bad guy or whatever. And uh, you ruined child. It. Yeah, Spoilers. child. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> well, they they you find that out pretty quickly. Oh, okay. Um Feral Children is like a, it's, it's one of the, you know. It's pretty much my favorite genre of movie. <laughs> feral Children. I, I consider that a genre, Feral Children. They should have a section for that, like on Netflix. Yes. Do you enjoy Feral Children movies? <laughs> you might also like. <laughs> so this kid grows up in the woods and turns into like half a zombie, half Badass, I guess. I Why is he a zombie, that, though? What the? I don't. That I don't understand. I told you. There's many okay. things. Now I understand why you watched it three times. <laughs> maybe, maybe he got rabies. Maybe he was like eating. Uh, I don't know, but all the raw kids, flesh and got rabies or something. All the kids like spontaneously. Sometimes they break out into like moaning and limping around, and other times they're completely normal 
and running around. It's ridiculous. But anyway, um, this guy starts stealing children to recruit them for his gang. And one of the mothers goes looking for her child. And he ends up raping her. But it's ridiculous because they're in a barn. And the barn's got a big open bay window where the girl could easily run away. And she doesn't. And there's the guy. He moans one time like a zombie. Pulls her short off. And then sex with her. And she just lays there and takes it. So, I, like how the, I like how the rape scene is your favorite uh, well, scene. Well, it's just... I like how you, how you followed up with it made me laugh. We might have to stop this segment, yeah. dude. We're gonna, we're definitely gonna have to stop giving you movies that involve raping. Please don't. Why did you say that? Why? What's wrong with you? Great. Now people think you're like a, a perv. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely questioning my friendship. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, here's your drum roll. What did you give Beware Children at Play? Anytime. <laughs> One. One. Or no, but I have the song. Half. So, a point 0.5. A point 0.5 out of 10, a new low for Beware Children at Play. But you watched it if three you- times. I had to. <laughs> I, I felt I felt like I had an obligation in order to do this podcast, so I have to understand what I'm talking about. Well, we appreciate you having to sit through it three times. <laughs> I got it. I got a copy of it on my hard drive. If anyone wants to uh, take gander at uh, Actually, I'm going to recommend that you buy it from our store. On philpulse.net. I'm not buying that way. That way you can get it legally and help us out. Yeah, we might want to cut out the whole, I pirated this movie to watch (laughs) it three times. Hey, hey, I copied it. I'm giving it away. Is there there any way that, uh, can I just give you $8 instead of buying it on Amazon? Like, can I just give you money rather than buy it? Why do you want it, first of all? No, I'm just saying, you guys told me I should buy it to help you out. And I'm saying, I will help you out, but I don't want that f***ing movie. I'm not telling you to buy it, I'm <laughs> telling other people. Uh-huh. If, if other people want to buy it, yeah, they can go what? to the Film Pulse you store. Just, you watched it three times, I mean, how many more times do you want to watch it? <laughs> do you want me to order you the Blu-ray, is that what you're saying? Is it on Blu-ray? No, it's not. Oh. It's only on DVD. You can get it for eight bucks on Amazon. Eight dollars. That's asking a lot. Best eight dollars I ever spent. Don't ever say that again. I, I know. I know. All right, Ryan. <laughs> thank you once again. We'll have another movie picked out for you for next week. 
and we'll see you next time. See you later. I'd like to take a minute to talk about Amazon. We've been plugging Amazon on the site for a while, and now it's time to help us out and click on the Amazon banner, buy some stuff. doesn't cost you anything other than what you buy. There's no price increases, anything crazy like that. We just get a nice little commission off of what you buy. If you buy something weird enough, and we are encouraging that, we will send you a prize, and it will be a DVD or Blu-ray. We had some good stuff coming in, but still nothing weird enough. We had some shirts sell, um, some DVDs, nothing. What's, what would you say is the weirdest thing so far? If we have anything weird at all? Not really. I mean, like, a bunch of shirts. Someone's like, buying shirts? Yeah, like running shirts. Um, okay. Just that and a bunch of DVDs. So nothing too crazy. I buy all my coffee on there. I don't think that counts as weird. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, Not at uh, all. Definitely just go to the site, click on the Amazon banner on the right. And it takes you right to Amazon. Just shop as you would normally. You can buy pretty much anything you can think of on Amazon. Uh, we also have uh, the Film Pulse store on the site where we have some of the DVD and Blu-ray um, picks that we talked about during the week. And um, all of our Ryan Watches a Movie uh, segments are in there as well. Just check out the site. <clears throat> click on I Amazon. Did we, did we mention that we single-handedly raise the price of collision course no back when we did our collision course episode the the dvd was three dollars on amazon i bought it for three dollars now it's thirteen dollars so ryan is kingmaker we single-handedly drove the price up ten dollars on collision course you're welcome leno I think there are a couple other sellers on there that have it still at a low price. So get it while you can because it's just going to keep going up. Yeah. We're making once, that a modern classic. Once Ryan watches something, oh, yeah. the price automatically doubles. Yeah, he triples. So get Pluto Nash and beware children to play now while you can. Yeah. Soon they're going to be on Criterion Collection. <laughs> oh, my God. I would laugh so hard if they were. That would be the best... That would be the best birthday present I could ever have. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the Hunger Games, I just wanted to mention the fact that uh, if you haven't heard, there was a bit of a, a bit of a kerfuffle this week with <laughs> kerfuffle with Michael Bay announcing that uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle reboot uh, they're not going to be mutant Ninja Turtles; they're going to be a- a- alien. Ninja no. Turtles. So yes, I have the the clip here. This was um this is a clip of Michael Bay taken from a Nickelodeon. It was some kind of Nickelodeon event, and he talks about it. So let's just give this a listen real quick. When you see this movie, kids are going to believe one day that these turtles actually do exist. When we are done with this movie, <laughs> these turtles are from an alien race, and they are going to be tough, edgy, funny. <laughs> Oh. And completely lovable. Oh. Now, lovable this obvi- obviously when this came out, uh, Mike, it, it Michael caused, Bay hates everything you love. It caused an uproar. It it really caused an uproar to to say like the entire origin of the 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is is going to be redone. And when I heard about it, I was completely outraged, as most people were. I grew up with Ninja Turtles, and I loved them. They were... Yes. I mean, I I love Transformers, too, but Ninja Turtles were... Every year, I dressed up as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, I mean, it was... I mean, I I think I even did it at times when it wasn't Halloween. (laughs) Just around the house, yeah. Yeah. I probably did that, I'm sure. Yeah. Everybody wanted to be Michelangelo. I actually my favorite was Leonardo. Ooh, the leader. He was the leader. Yeah, I'm a I'm a weird person like that. Just to now, th- I think that a lot of people are are freaking out over this. I wouldn't jump to conclusions with this. I don't know if this is all set in stone. Michael Bay just he might not even know what the hell he's talking about on this thing. There have been some now. He, I don't think he directly commented. On you know, gave his little rebuttal or whatever. Oh but, yeah, he did. Oh he did. Oh yeah, he did. He said fans need to just breathe. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I heard that, but I don't think that he confirmed or denied that they were going to be aliens. I mean, it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, no, they're doing. They're making them aliens. They're they're saying that they're coming from an alien planet. Because they wanted to give it a more, uh, like, a deeper backstory. Yeah, which is... Because, you know, that's always been the problem with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Their backstory was just complete shit. It's so stupid because it's like, oh, we want to make it, like, more real, more believable. What's more believable? A mutant or an alien? I mean, m- mutations exist. At least we know they're real. Well, I mean... dude, Michael Bad said, I mean, in a couple of years, we're going to believe this <laughs> as fact. This is, it's so preposterous to take such a, a timeless story, you know? Now, can, this and, is uh, the co-creator, uh, Peter Laird, wrote on his, because uh, he came out and talked about this. Um, he said that, you know, they want to make them, they want to change it from just being four pet shop turtles in the original story, that, that there's really five and then he said that, you know, it's ridiculous, but at the same time, it's a genius idea because they they came up with a way for them to have as many Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as they want. Because if they come from an alien race, uh, then there's an entire right. planet. I think that that's horrible. I think it's just which, the worst idea I've ever heard. Which is, I think it's just going to be, I just have a feeling I'm going to be seen in a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie where... You know, they do like, this is Michelangelo, this is Leonardo, and then it just goes on for like an hour and a half because there's 57 other different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'm just imagining seeing like the turtle planet and there's like a million of them, and it's just going to be like Green Lantern all over again. Yeah, I mean, how many color bands can you have? (laughs) They're going to run out of artists (laughs) to name. (laughs) Yeah. Um... The director of the movie, Jonathan uh, Liebsman, he did uh, Battle Los Angeles. Oh, we're in good hands. Yeah. He Don't told he told ComingSoon.net that they're making the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie that fans want to see. They wanna, they're making it for the fans, which is bullshit. Yeah, because if, because... They were, if they were making it for the fans, they wouldn't change the entire story. Yeah. Just garbage. 
complete garbage. Well, the other thing that bothers me is, no, I mean, yeah, you completely changed the story, which that right there is enough. But why is it nowadays that every single thing gets aliens put into it? Well, I mean, if you look at the original Turtles, there were, like, Krang was an alien, I think. And there, there were. Which, Krang was just on uh, the episode of 30 Rock. Yeah, when she goes to <laughs> Krang. I loved it. Um, I mean, there were aliens in that in that show, but, like, the whole origin of... I mean, they're going to have to change the name. I mean... <laughs> Teenage Alien Ninja Turtles. Yeah, Taint. Doesn't have a doesn't have a good rank to it. Yeah, it's gonna be bad. So, well, uh, we'll be keeping a lookout for any uh, updates, and we'll we'll be posting them on our site, on Twitter, and all that. So keep a lookout. So let's talk about the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. Where to begin? This is such a huge movie. I'm sure everybody's talking about it this weekend. Let's start off by saying that it had a huge weekend. It had, it, it is now the third highest opening film of all time. Uh, it came in just behind The Dark Knight and Harry Potter and The Deathly Hollows Part 2. Last I checked, it was at $155 million for opening weekend. Yeah, that's what I saw too. I think that was as of today. And that's huge. Huge. So, yeah, world worldwide is uh, two hundred and fourteen million. Yeah, and it's just gonna go up from there. I mean, we're looking at probably a billion dollar franchise here. After you count DVD, Blu-ray sales, merchandising, the other two movies that are gonna be coming out, book sales, all that. I mean, I could see it easily reaching a billion dollars. Yeah, I just I think it's very funny because when this was just a book. I never heard of it. I didn't know that this was such a big thing. I don't I think no it idea. was. I honestly don't think it was. Really? I I think that when when it was a book, I think that it was um not a huge seller. I think that it had some popularity, but when they announced when they sold the rights to as a movie, I think that that's when the the hype train really started. Mm. But even well, I know I don't I don't have TV. I don't have cable and stuff. But even I really didn't even see much for the movie. But and then no. again, you know, I'm not. I wasn't like I said. I wasn't watching TV or anything. I remember. So I, really... I, I remember towards the beginning of the year they they had a couple teasers, but it was like they didn't show you anything. Like you, you really had. And even and I and I like that they do that with movies certain movies i just don't want to know i just don't want to know what it's about like the avengers i don't want to see anything yeah and even when they came out with the theatrical trailers for the hunger games i felt like they didn't give too much away with those the film's directed written and directed i think by a guy named gary ross he did pleasantville and sea biscuit so he's uh, somewhat big i guess this is gonna really push him he's gonna we're gonna be seeing a lot of him i think because of this yeah the film stars um has a lot of people in it we have stanley tucci jennifer lawrence uh, elizabeth banks uh woody harrelson wes bentley lenny kravitz josh hutcherson we also have uh donald sutherland as the uh the president just a it's a pretty good cast i would say 
Yeah. I think that the casting was was really good in this. And when we get into talking about what we thought about this, um, I read all three books, and Kevin didn't, so... I did not read them. This should spark some good discussion. I guess we'll go over the brief synopsis if you're living under a rock and don't know what what the hunger Games is about according to imdb it says set in the future where the capital selects a boy and a girl from the 12 districts to fight to the death on live action television katniss everdeen volunteers to take her younger sister's place for the latest match once again the imdb synopsis is <laughs> is kind of <laughs> very slim uh, there's a lot more to it than that. Let's start with you, Kevin. What did you What did you think of the Hunger Games? Well, first, I just want to say real quick, uh, IMDb. I mean, you're like the biggest movie, web- but you can't just like get a little bit better on your synopsis and other things. Just you know, just make them a little bit better. Yeah, I know it's terrible. Like the grammar's not even correct in a lot <laughs> yeah. of them. No, not at all. But uh, The Hunger Games is, as I described it when I was asked numerous times, what did you think of it? I just went, it was all right. <laughs> now, it was, it was all right. Here's, here's one of my thoughts about The Hunger Games. Did you go into it not liking it? Not entirely. I have to say, well, like you, I really didn't know what it was about. Because... Like, I didn't read any of the books, obviously, as we said before. Plus, I really didn't read up about it at all before I went in to see it. I mm-hmm. mean, I had, like, a really vague understanding of what the movie was about. And the only thing I really went into it was, like, okay, it'll be huge. It's gotten some good reviews so far. I'll see what it's like. So you know. y- so you, you would say that you went into it with an open mind? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't go in saying, thinking that, oh, this is going to be terrible. This is stupid, hyped movie, blockbuster, you know. Because that, that, that was the first thing I thought. Like, immediately, before I read the books, before I decided to embrace this whole story with an open mind, I thought, oh, young adult book, uh, movie that looks like it's clearly geared towards teens, this is another Twilight. I don't want anything to do with this. Like, I, I just... And I think that that's... Like, this movie got so much hype and so much buzz. I think that it really... I mean, I think that it works for, like, the general public. But for, like, cinephiles, I guess you could say, like us, mm-hmm. that's kind of like a red flag. Where we're just like, oh, nah, I don't want to deal with that. But I actually quite liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I just... Had some qualms with the movie, and well, number one was just so many people, so many people at the theater. <laughs> you can't fault the movie for that. Uh, yeah, I, I know, I know, I can't. <laughs> but I just want to say, movie theater. So, oh my God, I've never been to a uh, like a young adult big time movie like that before in my life. Wow, that's pure insanity. See. Um, I went to see it at 9.30 in the morning at the IMAX, and um, I didn't have any of those issues at all. Everybody was quiet. We got decent seats. Uh, it, it was a packed theater, but we got there early enough so that we could actually get good seats. So I didn't have any issues as far as um, presentation. Yeah. But uh, like we were talking about 
after we saw it, the camera work in this movie is dizzying. Just, yeah, it is just ridiculous. I thought, like, I, at first I was, you know, I understood why they did it. You know, it's to sort of mask the violence. That way you can get a PG-13 rating and your core audience can still go see the movie. You know, it's a money-making, you know, scheme. But, oh my God, after, like, the first three minutes of it, I thought I was going to vomit. <laughs> um, I don't mind shaky cans, usually. I did feel like excessive in this movie. In this movie, I felt like it was clearly less a stylistic choice and more of a "we have to do it this way" type of choice. Like, and I think that they decided to probably like in the beginning, like all the scenes when they show like uh, life in the district and stuff like that. I mean, that was all shaky cam too. And I think that they were looking at it like, okay, during the actual games, we have to do it like this so that we can still elude to the violence and like the mayhem, but we can't just have it be that part because then it'll look really weird. But if you notice, like all the scenes uh, that took place in the Capitol, they were all normal. They were all shot (laughs) normal. So in my review, I wrote that, I felt like at certain times it was almost trying to have like an indie vibe to it where it was like this, you know, really shaky camera work and kind of uh, intentionally sloppy, you know, like real quick zooms and stuff like that. It just when you said that, it made me think of what if this movie was done in like mumblecore? Well, I mean, like all all the scenes like at the beginning of the district and during the games itself, it did have almost a mumblecore type cinematography feel to it. But don't be mistaken. This is certainly a Hollywood film. I mean, through and through, this is a Hollywood movie. Everybody, and my biggest, one of my biggest problems with the movie was that everybody looked good. Everybody looked healthy and beautiful, even during the games when they're that and even like in their districts these are supposed to be like the poorest places and and in the they look great in the book they're describing the districts the the poor districts like 11 and 12 as everybody that lives there is very emaciated they're always hungry people are starving to death and you, you would just when you're reading the actual book you think the, when you visualize the people in your head, you just think of you know something like uh, like a prison camp almost. But when you see the movie, they all look good. I mean, they they all look well fed, healthy, you know, clean cut. They have nice haircuts. They have you know product in their hair. And and even even when. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence's character Katniss is in the Hunger Games and she's like beat up and and hurt and dirty. She still looks good. I mean, it's like they clearly had a makeup artist come in and apply the dirt to her in a way that she still looks really good. And I think that that kind of detracted from the overall feel of it a bit. But the only other qualms I have with... The movie are issues that I had with the book as well. Well, that's I had some things because I don't know. 
the book. But how far in the future does this take place? They never say. They they never really say. Okay. Because no. one of my first things is with you know they're doing the districts, and I'm thinking we were not, we're not going to have coal miners in the future. Yeah, it's, it's weird because be some things, some things seem very near future, and some things seem like really far off. Yeah, and they're talking about the like the super fast train that they have. Mm-hmm. It's like we already we already have those. Yeah. <laughs> like, is this? That's what I was wondering if it was like way in the future or just. No, they yeah. never. I mean, is they this never really said. Twenty nineteen. This is 2019, or I think that it might be one of those deals where it is kind of far into the future, but what happens is like, I mean, the world. I mean, it's it's basically a post-apocalyptic type scenario where if the world if the world essentially gets destroyed, we're, it kind of sets us back. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's just certain things that we don't have anymore that we have to kind of go back to the drawing board and mine coal for fuel and stuff like that. But like you said, if it's far in the future, there probably wouldn't be any coal left. So, yeah, but I don't know how much they get into that in the, in the books. Mm, not, <clears throat> but they, I, was, yeah. I also thought that the movie, it didn't really seem to say anything. You mean as far as like a message? Yeah. Um, like any sort of social, topics that i would think that would be in the book from you know what the what the story is and everything it's well from uh it's like reality tv and you know right killing people for entertainment yeah i mean um it's really meant to be a three-part story like okay. it there's more the, the message becomes more clear within the second and third stories. And the way that the, the first one ends, that's, it's like far from the end. I mean, it, the book ends exactly where the, the movie ends. And I don't want to spoil anything, but it kind of just ends with them not resolving everything. Mm. So... There, there is more to the the politics of it and and everything later on. And also, um, in my review, I said that a lot of these characters, these m- like more minor characters, come back and have larger roles. Like uh, Woody Harrelson's sure. character Hamish. Uh, later in the second and third books, a lot of these characters come back and and play a more prominent role. Does uh, Peter come back and actually do anything at all? Um, ever? <laughs> I mean, they talked about how like strong he was and stuff, and he did nothing. No, like, I the mean, entire he, movie, he did absolutely nothing. Yeah, he's kind of he's got a good head on his shoulders, but as far as uh, I mean, he's a baker. You know, he, he makes bread and he decorates cakes. What do you expect yeah. him to do? Well, I, I mean, I expected him to like weird. I figured there would be at least one time where his f- physical strength would come into play somehow, some way. Yeah, I mean, he gets hurt no. like pretty early on, so he okay. he doesn't have a lot of opportunity to show that off. And well, he does like the the whole hiding thing where he like decorates himself because mm-hmm. he's a cake decorator. No, I mean, how do you do that? How do you do that in the woods? I don't think he did. 
<laughs> the, I mean, uh, have, you know what I mean? The, to have um, that much time to cover your entire body, head to toe, make your face yeah. look like a rock, and put moss on you. That that didn't happen in the book. In the book, he buried himself. Okay. Which, because he would which be makes a whole there, lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, because he'd be sitting there, like, decorating himself, and someone would just come up and kill him. Yeah, I mean, the way that he camouflaged himself was so elaborate <laughs> that it was just like insane yeah and uh the only other thing that i thought was odd is the whole mocking jay pin mm-hmm. where where she gives it to her little sister prim right primrose something like that mm-hmm. and she was like this is good luck charm you're always gonna be protected and like right away she gets picked for the hunger game so obviously the f-ing pin doesn't work <laughs> no it is not, no good luck with that pin. And then she gives it back to Katniss, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't take that. <laughs> I wouldn't take that back. I'd be like, nah, you can keep that. That That's the only um, like minor plot point that they change. Um, okay. In the book, it's just like a random person that gives her that pin when she volunteers. Uh, okay. I don't, I don't know if it's a random person. I think it is a random person, but... Because I thought that was sort of odd. I mean... You had yeah. to volunteer to be in the that pin did not work. It did the exact opposite of what you wanted it to do. I would not be taking it with you. I'm not exactly Yeah, I don't exactly know why they changed that. If you if you haven't read the book, the the book takes place uh it, it's all first person point of view from Katniss. So uh, there's certain aspects of the movie that that happened that didn't happen in the book, like all the behind the scenes stuff with the games when they're like kind of controlling the cameras and that type of thing. And there's also a scene, I think there might be two scenes maybe with Donald Sutherland's characters, the president and um, his name's uh, Seneca Crane, where they have kind of a conversation that doesn't happen in the book. And um, I actually liked that. It gave it gave it a little bit more substance and also kind of alluded to what was going to be happening in the um, second and third movies. Here, here's what I think. I like the story. I think the story is really good. And I want to, I do want to touch a little bit on uh, how a lot of people are drawing parallels between this and battle Royale. But uh, first I just want to say like, I, I think that this story would be so much better as Rather than an, a young adult novel, just an adult novel. Just cut out all the the teen, you know, love triangle. Well, well, stuff. That's how you make. That's how you make money, my friend. I mean, gotta have that love triangle. I don't think that with this subject matter, I don't think that they should be trying to confine themselves into a PG thirteen movie. Like, I think that it would be success, just as successful. Well. No, I take that back. It probably wouldn't be as successful if it was rated R. But I, I think, uh, personally, as a 28-year-old man, I think I would like it better if it was just well, yeah. an adult. Not, like, but I, an adult I have story. to say, that's when I thought the movie really started to drag. It was near the end where they really started focusing on the, you know, Katniss and Peta getting together and whatever, uh, putting on a show or whatever, being on TV. It just really started to drag. And I was like, okay, come on. Yeah. Speed it up a little bit. They did, uh, I mean, they did cram a whole lot. I mean, there's almost nothing that they didn't include in that movie that's in the book. 
Like, they shoved almost everything into that. So, it's it's a pretty packed movie. It's over two hours long. I think it's like two hours and 20 minutes long. I would say it's worth seeing. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely check it out. I would do have to say that as much as I hated the camera work, when she, uh, when she gets stung by the, uh, what are they called, the tracker jackets? Tracker jackers. Tracker jackers? The hallucination? Mm-hmm. that she has with that i thought that was really well done oh and that was the other thing i wanted to mention um I, I, like there was there was scenes where like the tracker jacker scene specifically where if you didn't read the books you wouldn't really know what what those are and what they do so in order to kind of explain that they had um stanley tucci and um what was the other guy's name he was in tinker taylor Toby Jones. Toby Jones. They had them as kind of commentators on the games, and they kind of and they used that in order to explain some of the things that were happening. And I liked that they did that because it really bothers me in movies when like characters have conversations that are obvious, you know, like <laughs> that you're like, okay, come on, they wouldn't really be having that conversation. Yeah. So I, I like that they did that. And for everyone that that tries to compare this to Battle Royale. I just have to say that it's yes, it's it's a similar subject. It's children pitted against one another in a game that's created by a ruthless government. But we've seen this before. It's not like Hunger Games was a blatant ripoff of well, no, Battle Royale. No, I mean this has happened in real life before. It's essentially just the Roman Colosseum. Yeah, but it, in the future. So, you're not really ripping anything off. And I said in my review, if if you look at it like that, then you would you would have to say that about like every Katherine Heigl movie is just a copy of itself. You know, like th- there's so many movies where they're like the exact same as another movie. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can pretty like we talked about before. You can. Everything's almost already been done, mostly by Shakespeare. So you can really just say that everyone's ripping him off. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's a shame that um, you know movie buffs are like, it's just a battle royale ripoff, man. Like, first of all, it, it's just a very different movie. I mean, battle royale was great. I loved battle royale, but the thing about the Hunger Games <laughs> is that they created this whole you know, long story arc over it. And it, it just, it has a lot more to say than Battle Royale. Yeah. And I think Battle Royale was dealing with something that was, you know, set to their culture. Yes. With, you know, unruly youths. And I yeah. mean, this is completely different. Yes. I mean, Battle Royale is a Japanese film, takes place in uh, a much nearer future. And in this near future population growth has gotten out of control i mean we know japan's a very small place so yeah. in the future the, the, the children are just extremely disrespectful and yeah and so they sort of just teach them a lesson by making them kill each other and i mean plus like you you look at the hunger games they're just on different wavelengths i think i mean the the only thing that i thought that she did take from it was uh, and I don't know how they explain this in the book and stuff, but you know how in Battle Royale it was a class was always picked mm-hmm. to go 
and perform this. And they had like I think in Battle Royale it was two like uh people two kids that joined up for it they that just wanted to be yeah. yeah. And then they had I think in uh the Hunger Games it was like three of them. Well were they it, saying that like trained for it and stuff? Yeah, I don't know how many it was exactly, but they always say that the more wealthy districts, like I think it's one, two, and four, uh, they they always their tributes always volunteer and uh, train. Okay. Yeah, and that's that's actually what was I, I was just gonna say was that in Battle Royale you have forty two classmates that in Japan they stay in the same class all the way to the end, so they've known each other for years. They're all friends and. With the exception of one other person in the Hunger Games, you don't know any of them. Yeah. And, like, when you're training, you have to kind of size them up and be like, okay, well, that person's, like, really good with knives, so I need to be careful of that. So it's just equally as good, I think, as far as the concept, but just different. Yeah. There were a lot of aspects of Battle Royale that I liked more than as far as how the games work, the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. There were things that I liked about both of them. In Battle Royale, I liked the fact that everybody gets a pack that has one random weapon in it. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it could be a knife, sometimes it could be a paper fan, it could be anything. And in binoculars. The, <laughs> binoculars. And then in the Hunger Games, it's just one pile. <laughs> and everybody has to try to make it to that pile and get what they want. And, mm-hmm. I mean... I don't think it's a huge spoiler to say that a lot of people don't make it through that initial well, run. Th- that was another thing that, I mean, do, do you really need someone to spell that out for you? I mean, it's a big thing of just weapons, and they just all go running to it. Yeah, but... Like, you should know, like, uh, more than likely I'm going to die if I go there first. The when thing- you just, like, sort of run off out of the way and be like, oh, I'll come back through later. Yeah, I mean, the thing to think about is that they have mentors that they kind of train them and, and tell them how to start things out. And some of them might say like, you know, make it to that, you know, whatever you're good with, make it to that sword, whatever you do, just make it to that sword and then get away from it. But then like some people, like in the case of um, Hamish, when he was training Katniss and Peta, he said, just get away from it. Just run away. Don't even get near it. Which is one, uh, another one of the things about the games that I wish they would have went into more detail about because I thought it was a good, it was a pretty good idea, is the the whole uh, sponsors. Yeah. Where they would get things you know that helped them out, whether it be like a liniment solver, mm-hmm. you know, any soup, whatever it may be. I thought that that was like an idea that they didn't really expound on. No, they didn't. Um, and according to the book, the what you can do if like if it's your district you can kind of like everybody in the district can kind of chip in and and apparently it costs like tons and tons of money just to send like you know soup it, like it, it's extremely expensive and um in the in the book there was like one other instance where they got one of the sponsor items that they didn't include in the movie and it was just like a piece of bread. But yeah, that's another thing that, that's kind of cool that they didn't do too much in the story. Anything else to add? Uh, I don't think so. What? I mean, 
Are you going to be watching? Because I think he's. I think Gary Ross is doing the other ones, right? Same director. I think so. Yeah, they're already. Yeah. They're working yeah. on the second one. I don't think they started filming yet. Are you going to be checking out the other two? I would take it. Yeah, I when think. I think I will. Okay. I think I will. What would I'm, you? Okay, I gave in my review. I gave um, Hunger Games seven out of ten. What would okay. you? What would you give as your score? I would probably give it a six. So it's right around. Close enough. Pretty much the same. Close yeah. enough. There you have it. Hunger Games. Check it out. Gets our seal of approval. Uh, and that does it for another show. As always, we want to hear your suggestions and feedback. Send us an email at podcast at filmpulse.net. And if you impress us enough, we'll read your comments over the air. For all the latest film news, reviews, features, and everything else, head on over to our site at www.filmpulse.net. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash filmpulse, Twitter at filmpulse.net, and make sure if you live in the Tallahassee, Florida area, Head over to our site and click on the poster that's on the right and reserve your ticket to our special one-night-only screening of the amazing Draft House Pictures film, The FP, which is going to be at AMC April 10th at 8 o'clock. For FilmPulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Tuesday for DVD and Blu-ray picks.